0: What is the emotion that is making my child resist right now? Most of the time, fear, panic, even control is about fear Mm -hmm. because losing control or loss of control is extremely frightening. So I can see you're very scared. I'm so sorry. This was not meant to scare you. Okay, let's just sit here and take it
1: one little step at a time. Hi, I'm Sarah Kuhn. Welcome to the Juna Women podcast, where I sit down for candid conversations with women who are experts in their field and share their specific knowledge so that we can become better equipped to handle all things motherhood. Juna Women is an extension of Juna, a fitness and nutrition app created to help guide you through your trying to conceive, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. Everything we do at Juna is designed to empower and support you through one of the most incredible and challenging times of your life. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Siggy, a developmental therapist who works with children and families to help increase connection and solve problems. Dr. Siggy uses easy-to-follow tools, step-by-step scripts, and practice solutions to help families through school issues, socialization, family crisis, and more. This episode will help improve your relationship with your kids, and who doesn't want that? I hope you enjoy. All right, Dr. Siggy, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today, so thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm happy to be here. Why don't you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and your experience? Sure. I am a developmental therapist, and I've been in this
0: field for a few good decades working with families and children of all kinds. I also I used to teach at different universities until recently. I also taught at Pierce College, but I'm taking a break right now because I'm busy with a lot of other things. I don't know if that's relevant or not. Yeah. Yeah, I have an office here in Los Angeles, and I can just say that my office is like a big playroom for children. And so when a family comes, parents can sit and talk to me, children can naturally and organically interact with the environment in a space that definitely fits them and speaks to them. So they're not feeling like they're put on the spot. They went to the principal's office and they're right. in trouble or not even to a doctor's office.
1: Now, I'm curious, when do you, so you typically will see like parents and children at the same time? It really depends or it
0: varies. So yes, parents and children, sometimes just the parents. Sometimes just the children, of course, it depends on their age, it depends on the needs and it depends on how they know me. I usually don't have a child come into my office just on their own. And my goal is really to get to know the child, whether it's just me and the child or even sometimes siblings, because I like to see that dynamic, or even if the parents are there, my goal is no matter what, is to get to know the child well enough so I can actually help the parents find the best way to work with their children it's not that i am looking to therapize the child directly because obviously they're children but i am aiming to get to know them in a way that maybe parents can't because they're too close to them they see them all the time they don't see certain things that obviously i see and then my main aim is to help the parents it's almost like i interpret the children to them So they can understand them better, connect with them better, find better ways to communicate with them for the better of the family, not just for each individual. And so what typically
1: brings a family into you?
0: Anything from typical issues of just the kids are not listening to me, to sleep issues, to potty training, even children with other issues of potty training that are older, school issues, socialization. And then there's also crisis, trauma, of course, divorce, blended families, different types of traumatic situations, anywhere from a loss of family member or even a dog to anything directly that happened to the child, let's say car accident or any other type of situation. So
1: these are mostly, it's a variety and a random spectrum of who I see. Okay. And then my last question about that is it, what's like the youngest that you would typically see someone in terms of children?
0: All ages. So I've had parents come to me with their babies that they can't console. I've done that. But for the most part, it's when in that past infancy, when the behavioral issues, the emotional issues, the, the complexity of what is required in order to manage a family and a child becomes greater whether with exposure to school separation anxieties different types of stress of course everything that's happened lately that added to the stress of a family
1: so yeah it I would say to and on most of the time got it and what is your like your parenting methodology or approach so I It is called the
0: emotional behavioral proficiency. And what I really, what I mean by that is that we see the behaviors, all parents see their children's behaviors. They're not listening, the bickering, the complaining, the tantrums, Mm -hmm. the talking back, the obviously not doing what they're supposed to and so on and so forth. And their tantrums and outbursts, those are all behaviors. They're external. We see them. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we attempt to treat the behavior. What I say is that, and we all know that, but I just really maybe formulate it better, conceptualize it better, like really make sense of it. Behind every behavior, there is a need, an impulse, an emotion that is subjective to the person. And in this case, because they're children, they have a very hard time understanding themselves. They can't self-reflect, they don't have awareness. So when we ask them, why are you doing this? they obviously don't have an answer and they will come up with anything because he, because it's not fair, Mm -hmm. because they're not really telling us, I actually don't know why I'm acting this way. I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm jealous, I'm confused, I misunderstand, I am in my own needs and I don't really see the big picture. Those are the actual reasons that most of the time we misbehave because we actually don't connect all the dots of what is triggering us, what is affecting us, what is really causing us to act and react in certain ways. So what I do is help parents understand the triggers behind the behaviors. It's not that I accept the behaviors, it's, or just attend to the emotions. Oh, you're sad? Okay, so you don't have to put your shoes on. No, it's more, oh, I can see this is upsetting right now. I totally get it. Yeah, we still need to put your shoes on and we can continue to talk about what else is going on
1: okay now it's i i, I think one of my next question is centered around helping like how best ways to help toddlers manage their very big emotions cuz they are very big and like, i i want to use I like because I like I think that there's like having scripts in your mind to help you. I I have two or three, you know, like that. I'm like, oh, like I can see that is very frustrating or I can see that you're sad or I can see that you're happy or whatever it is. But I think like where I struggle and where I have a feeling that a lot of other parents struggle is like like you use the word jealous and like um, emotions like that, which are very clear to me, especially for my daughter who's squeezed in the middle. Um, like that is what it is. But I don't want to say that to her because it feels like a ne- like a really negative emotion or it casts like something on her personality. So I don't say that. I have three emotions that I use and that's <laughs> it. But that's actually not teaching them. So I'm curious about your perspective on that.
0: Very good question. And I know that parents, like you are explaining, like you are fear certain emotions as if we categorize them under good and bad. Mm-hmm. So emotions are really neat there. They're all part of our wiring, they're all right there and they come and they go because of so many different uh, variables. So neither one of them is actually bad. Your daughter feels jealous when she's watching you pay attention first to your old her older sibling or younger sibling when she thinks that when they all ask for a drink and you hand the cup first to whoever in that split <laughs> yep. second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. Right then and there because they are wired to survive in such a way that they need, crave, and almost try to hijack all the attention on them. So every time it's not, to them, it's like complete loss. Mm -hmm. It's a complete, yeah, breakdown. And that's what we're working with. So one, it's like, she's jealous when? That's perfectly fine because she's feeling it. You naming that emotion are not putting it in there, you're not giving her this emotion. She already generates it on her own.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's nothing wrong with jealousy because it's normal and typical. I'm saying, obviously, as she gets older, I don't want to my children to make decisions based on their jealousy of others. I don't want them to live their life because of certain ways in which they envy others. But I want them to be able to recognize, yeah, oh yeah. Sometimes I'm jealous at someone else. Okay, what do I do about it right then and there? Is really what we're looking at.
1: I see. The- okay, so naming whatever motion emotion it is, like yeah, I can. So can you give me like an example of what I would say to her? to be for her to be able to do that throughout her life so right now you're starting with when you
0: notice right because she's looking at you or she's whining right away Mm -hmm. and you're like yeah i gave your sister the cup first right so makes Mm -hmm. you feel jealous makes you jealous yeah i see that it's okay and what you're saying is it's okay to be jealous right here right now and then What we want to do right then and there is justify or fix. And so you try to justify, but look and this and sometimes you get it first and sometimes or we don't actually have to do any of it. A lot of that is just internal and normal or natural Mm -hmm. and we don't have to fix once again by trying to take away that emotion as if there's something wrong with it. So you don't have to be jealous because mommy's right here. And of course I love you. And yeah, all that becomes just a lot of white noise right then and there when she's feeling jealous, Mm -hmm. all she needs is for you to reflect that back to her. So she's building awareness. Oh, I'm jealous right now. Okay. It's not characteristic. It's not a flaw. It's not a fixation of any kind. It's not a label. I am a jealous person. No, I am feeling jealous, right? now. Okay. Yeah. It's more like that. And it's almost as if we want to say, and we want her eventually to be able to say that. And there's really nothing wrong with that. Now I can say, all right, how, what am I going to do with this
1: jealousy? That's the most important thing. We're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about the Juna app, the app that makes this podcast possible. Juna is the premier app for every stage of motherhood, with a 12-week trying-to-conceive plan and workouts, key nutrition information for every week of pregnancy and postpartum, plus six full video courses on birth prep, breastfeeding, newborn care, infant sleep, sleep from 4 to 12 months, and starting solids. The app is designed to be your number one companion from trying to conceive through your baby's first year of life. It also includes daily diaphragmatic breathing exercises, pelvic floor prep, daily tips, and notes from me that are relevant to the exact things you are experiencing. These are so helpful for easing any fears and preventing the dreaded gestational Google mania, that sickness where you can't stop Googling every little thing that happens during pregnancy. Juna is available for both iOS and Android. Just search Juna in the App Store or go to Juna.co. Again, that's Juna.co. The app is completely free to try for seven days, and if you decide it's not right for you, you can cancel any time within the first week. No questions asked. Download Juna today and get started. Now, back to the show. And we leave that to her to figure that out. So basically, we just name it. That's it, Exactly,
0: okay. eventually, obviously. And sometimes we can, as they get older, we can have conversations. Okay, so what do I do when I'm jealous? Sometimes I'm jealous, sure. And this is how I. You, we can give them some suggestions, advice, share experiences, but not tell them specifically what to do with it because so much of it is subjective. It's moment to moment, all experiences, somewhat are the same, but yet they're not. They're unique. So we allow the child to figure some of it on their own. As long as they feel they can talk to us about it. Mommy, when I, I feel jealous and I can say, oh, I so understand that mm-hmm. it makes total sense. So then what did you do about it? Or what do you want to do about it? Or what can you, right? And so on. So that's there's, there's acceptance and proaction right there. As opposed to, I'm jealous, it's bad, it's negative, I'm helpless,
1: no. And that can be the same for like pretty much any emotion. It's like angry, um, happy, When you whatever it is. It's like just labeling it, letting them like recognize, oh, that's what this is and move on.
0: Exactly, absolutely. Okay. The recognition, the reflection of what it is naming it and letting them realize that it's safe to feel these emotions it's safe to feel it internally it's safe to speak it out Mm -hmm. share it and speak about it it is safe and safety is the most important sort of like state of mind i'm safe yeah yeah yeah
1: okay I So I have a, I want to go through an example, but I think it's, it incorporates a lot of the different questions I'm going to ask you, like setting boundaries and like in those kinds of maybe (laughs) we should go through them first and then take like a macro look at, oh, what would I have done in this situation? How could I have better handled this? Absolutely. And Uh, we can
0: go straight to an example because sometimes, yeah, that, really help so it's up to you
1: okay yeah then you know let let me just ask because like so i'll use an example my daughter was starting swim lessons and she was a month away from three definitely age appropriate but she's like a very i don't want to say not flexible because sometimes she is flexible but like (laughs) this the, the idea of this swim lesson was like so Scary to her. I don't I don't know if it was scary or it was just something she didn't want to do. She didn't whatever it was. when I told her we were doing it, she absolutely lost her mind was and was like throwing an epic tantrum of tantrums, like I, like had to, I had to physically put her bathing suit on. Like she was like not having any of it. And, and then like, I had to resort to being like, okay, I'm going to take this. It was just, it, <laughs> it was, it just turned into a disaster. And I'm like, I've already paid for these lessons. Yeah. And at what point am I, like, I'm like, this is making me more miserable. Like what, you know, like why am I insisting on this? Is, am I really, and so I, I think like, how, how could I have better handled that situation. And by the way, by the third day, she was like, totally fine. The second day took a little bit of coaxing and, and it was a smaller, shorter tantrum. And by the third day, she was like, okay, I'm going to go to a swim lesson. And I'm she was very specific about how she was going to do the swim lesson. Like she only wanted to do it in the small pool. And she only wanted to do like head the herb. She only wanted to do kicking. She didn't. Want and so it was like, she had all these criteria for the way it was going to go. And so, can we do a little psychoanalyzation on my child and then how I should have handled it? (laughs)
0: Absolutely. And it's very typical because here you are deciding something for her that you know is absolutely good Mm -hmm. and right. And then she completely throws you off (laughs) by not agreeing with you in a way. Right. And so you're questioning her, what's the matter, what's wrong, why, and stop it. And and now you're trying to convince and yes, then you go into conditioning if and then. But let's go back to the beginning. Where did you start losing it when she didn't actually accept and agree? So what is making her not accept and agree? That's where we have to understand. Where is the sort of like the friction in the communication there? So it's more, oh wow. So I, yeah, mommy decided to give you swim lessons are very important, but we don't have to go into even why it's, you need to be safe and it's dangerous, blah, blah, all that. And it's mm-hmm. good for you and so on and so forth. Yeah. Mommy decided, mommy, daddy, doesn't matter. We decided you need swim lessons, but. Oh, you are scared. Cause what is the emotion? What's the resistance? Something about fear. Very primal, right? Like Mm -hmm. suddenly this kind of hit her in such a way where she didn't feel ready. Something about water can be very scary to some. And again, that's very primal. It's part of the wiring. There's no like why. Some animals like water and some (laughs) don't. (laughs) Basically, that's what it is. So recognizing that she is actually reacting to something she has no control over, but maybe it also has something to do with control because this is where she took you to. She then started like micromanaging the system as okay. I'm willing to do this. I'm not willing to do that. And so on and so forth. So we go back to who decided that she's doing swim lessons. Obviously you guys decided and that's okay. Now what is up to her to decide within that parameter so i don't know that i would have negotiated that from the start and here's another thing we don't always know that this is how our child is going to react and therefore (laughs) we don't really know what to do in that moment exactly so that's why you were thrown off notice this whenever you're thrown off you want to do two things one Next time, I have to explain the parameter, the expectations better and allow my child to have some sense of power and control within the boundary. So we are having swim lessons, but here is what you can do or can be in charge of. And no matter what is next time, I still have to deal with it right here, right now. What is the emotion that is making my child resist right now? most of the time fear panic even control is about fear Mm -hmm. because losing control or loss of control is extremely frightening so i can see you're very scared i'm so sorry this was not meant to scare you okay let's just sit here and take it one little step at a time because once again we walk into a, a situation with our child thinking that they understand what we understand we have a whole picture. They have one piece of the puzzle. And from that piece of puzzle, we expect them to really put it the whole puzzle together. And they can't. It doesn't right. make any sense to them. So we have to understand that almost intellectual or cognitive gap. It's Oh, I'm so sorry. This is definitely scary. Okay, let's take it one step at a time. And you backtrack mommy and daddy decided this is what we're doing okay but maybe we needed to prepare you a little better okay let's do it right now we're still doing this i believe in boundaries i'm not like okay fine let's just give up and walk (laughs) away no i believe the children do have to face challenges but the push is not creating or fixing them making the challenge better for them the push is strengthening their resilience and their coping skills to manage the challenge. Got it.
1: Yeah, so I, I think what I'm hearing, and I'm going to apply it to like a new situation for myself, is my, my daughter was really excited about gymnastics. I took her to gymnastics. She refused to even go on, like she refused to even enter the gym, like the actual like floor, wouldn't do a single thing and was basically like, let's leave. So we left and that was that. But she then begged me to sign her up for ballet. We have ballet starting on Monday. And I feel like what I need to be doing is preparing her for what that actually is going to look like. So, hey, Kyla, mommy's going to drop you off at the door, but because of COVID, whatever, I'm not going to get into the (laughs) restrictions of COVID, but I can't go into the class with you. So mommy's going to have to stay outside of the person. Like basically going through what that experience is going to be like so that when we get there she's not like i'm not going in that's it (laughs) exactly
0: yeah and focused when you are preparing her for the experience focus also on how she's possibly going to feel okay so you know how You want to do this and it's wonderful because yeah, you want to promote that, but you don't want to give a sense that she's like coming up with these ideas and then can't follow through. So you're like, I know that when you think about ballet or gymnastics or anything, you want to do it. But then when you're at the door, Ooh, something there doesn't feel right. Something scares you. So Mm -hmm. here is what we're going to do. I'm going to drop you off. That might be a little hard now you walk her through what is she going to do when the challenge is actually there okay so what are you gonna do she's i don't know and you're like okay so i'm thinking that the person like whoever right the teacher will come to the door and take you by the hand or she'll say okay come on we are doing that so somebody will take care of you someone will talk to you while you're feeling a little scared and then what is the next thing and the the next thing so here's what I'm also sensing possibly there's something to do with transition Mm -hmm. so that's what she's thrown off by in a way because in her mind kids are like I want to do ballet and in her mind, she's a ballerina all <laughs> dancing. <on. laughs> it's like yeah. it goes right in that blink of an eye. I am already there doing it. But then when she stands at the door, it hits her. Oh, I know nothing about this. I'm, this right. is nothing like what I actually imagined. So that's what we're walking them through. That transition between the fantasy and reality, which is what triggers emotions. Okay.
1: That is very helpful.
0: So talk about, it's going to be a little scary. What do you think you can do to, because when it's not, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. No, right? it will be maybe this emotion or that emotion. Now, it doesn't mean we can't overcome these emotions, but we have to be aware of them and get some support. So what will you do, sweetie, when you feel like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. So
0: Let's... that's where you prepare her for and you come up maybe with some tangible ideas, some concrete ideas of what she can do, when she will feel like she wants to run away like she did last time.
1: Dates are so hot right now. And no, not the ones you go on. Well, maybe those too. Medul dates are sweet fruit that are nutrient dense and full of the vitamins and minerals you need for a healthy pregnancy and more. Did you know eating medjool dates in the third trimester can mean an easier labor? At Juna, we absolutely love Julie's dates. I religiously ate them during my third trimester. I'd pop them into smoothies or eat them as a snack with a dab of peanut butter and a chocolate chip or walnut on top. They have the cutest mint-colored sustainable paper boxes and none of those dull generic plastic tubs. Dates are so versatile and recipes are on their own. Julie's is changing the dating game one medjool date at a time. To get 20% off your first order, Use the code JUNA20 at checkout. Go to www.joolies.com and use the code JUNA20 at checkout. So actually, that, that's a great segue. I wanted to talk about coping skills and what are like different age appropriate things that we can teach our kids to deal with either stress, anxiety, sadness, how to be independent. Like, I guess, yeah, what can we do?
0: Right. So it all starts with awareness. Awareness is how we actually am able to truly understand what is going on inside us and then sort and categorize or compartmentalize what do I need right now. But of course, awareness is a very lengthy process. It's lifelong, right? It never Mm -hmm. really ends. But it starts with naming emotions, recognizing and narrating how the child possibly is feeling and then letting them be in that emotion. Coping skills is not someone else always giving me the answer to every question or problem I have. Coping skills is actually me presenting the problem, the fact that someone is there. Mommy, I don't know what to do or this or that. Uh Uh-huh. I hear you. What do you think you can do? What would you like to do? How would you? It's like brainstorming with that person, making them realize they can actually reach a solution, but they have to work at it rather than, okay, so do this, do that. It's like that. For instance, a kid says, I can't find my shoes right there in a way to them. That's a problem. Or I don't like this. Or why are you always right Mm -hmm. now? Hear that. These are yes to the child right then and there. there They're problems. But one, they're problems that a child, in a way, just made up. I can't find my shoes. I'm helpless, and you do it. You fix it. Right. But more so, there is a complaint there. So already that's an emotion. Oh, you think you can't find your shoes? Interesting. I guess you're saying. Find my shoes for me. So if you want that, you need to say exactly that. <laughs> say it like it is. And <laughs> kids don't. But other than that, you know what, sweetie? I think you actually can find your shoes. No, I can't. Yes, you can. But I um I'm understanding or I right hear that you think it's a little hard. You're right. Maybe it's a little hard finding your shoes right now. So yeah, you need to try harder. That's what it is, and that's where they kids really don't want to put the effort into anything that to them seems like they didn't make that choice. They didn't choose to put their shoes on, so they don't want to find their shoes. Because obviously, in a moment, <clears throat> any moment that she wants to get out of the house or run to whatever for a play, that she'll find her shoes instantly. It's not. Yep. Oh yeah. It's, that's,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how like how the motivation changes things. Like I for a while was like my son cannot get dressed and he's four and he cannot get dressed (laughs) but then as soon as you um are like oh this is like get dressed and this is where we're going and he's like very excited about it those clothes are on in five seconds flat and you're like (laughs) ah i get it exactly (laughs) you can dress yourself you just don't want to exactly so
0: back to that like when they throw something at us and it sounds like a problem Let's break it down. First of all, let's really hear what it is in that problem that they just tossed up in the air. Let's reframe that. Let's give back part of it to them. Let's make them sit with it rather than jump to fix it, respond right away, bring in our own frustration and emotions into it. What do you mean I can't find your shoes? Uh, Right? That's irrelevant right then and there. Now it's just two angry people. So, in that's in a way the complete system of how little by little we help a child recognize they come up with a problem. Sometimes problems do present themselves. They are not victim to these problems, they're not helpless. They have abilities to solve them. Sometimes they need a little coaching, a little guidance, a little cheering. You can do it. And most of the time, it's more than a split second effort, which is what kids don't like. So we have to almost the coach when we, yeah, you can do it. Keep working. No, I can't. Yeah. One more, one more. You can do it. It's kind (laughs) of like that. Yeah.
1: Yep. 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 Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. I think about my like for example, we just had to our dog just died. And our son, who's assumed to be five, kind is gets it. And I was fully expecting like just a different reaction. And I feel like I don't know if it was because when our when our first dog died two years ago, we had just talked about doggy heaven a lot and that it had explained it. But like this time, it was just a little bit different. And he, you know, immediately was like, now we don't have a dog anymore and we need a new dog. And I think that that was a shocking thing we did not expect that. And I kind of wonder, I'm like, are we handling that? Are we giving him the tools to cope with this sadness in the right way? So basically what he said is that the fact that this
0: dog died left a void in him and he wants that that void to be fixed. He wants to fill it up which tells us that, yeah, he has sadness and he actually has to feel these feelings. He has sadness, he has loss, he has a little bit of confusion. Even grief brings some anger. Why did it happen? Why did it happen to me? And so on. So those are actually the conversations to have with him, talking about the emotions that that situation triggered or brought on. It's very sad. Now you can say some, now he may say, yeah, but because... The thing is, there's a quick fix to everything. And yeah. that's something we have to be very careful. There isn't, most of the time, a quick fix. Not all life is right. <laughs> Amazon Prime. Click and bam mm. the <laughs> Yep. Yeah, exactly. So we want to actually help them recognize that sometimes we have to sit with the emotion and it's not going to be fixed just because, oh, we can get another dog. Yeah, it's not so instance so you can say maybe one day and that's of course up to you i don't want to decide that you yeah, will yeah. get a dog but <laughs> it looks like you guys are dog people so most likely you will but maybe it's not happening right away so you don't want to say don't worry we're going to get a dog it's like yeah we're thinking about it but now we are missing our dog and how does that feel when you miss him so what do you miss about him what do you remember What's the, like, when you think about your dog, what's the one thing that, like, brings a smile to your face? We can talk about it as much as you want, because I feel the same. So sadness, loss, grief are a lot of times big emotions that are very difficult for us to experience or feel on our own. Yeah. So we need someone, but we
1: need to know that others feel just like we do. Otherwise, it's very isolating. I, it's it's interesting because I also, as we're talking about this, I my my family was very much like we stuffed everything and we didn't talk about it. And I understand that impulse because I, uh, like on the flip side, I'm like, oh, if, if I don't want to upset him by bringing it up,
0: right. and so therefore
1: we don't talk about it. But I, I don't do that. I actually find myself bringing it up to him in ways in the, that you were just, because I'm just like, I, like, I get I, we need to talk about it. But I do understand that impulse to not talk about it. Because like, if I talk about it, maybe that he's not upset. Now maybe that'll upset him. But all those things are ruminating in him. He just can't articulate it. Exactly. And you know that he's experiencing it. So it's not actually going away. Right.
0: <clears throat> Maybe it's only going into avoidance or denial, which right. is not really going away. And right. you're absolutely right that you can understand that your parents didn't want to upset you. So if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Right. Oh, but yeah, <laughs> if we don't talk about it, it still does exist. Yeah, that's really what it is. So you are just basically being more authentic about it. Yeah. They used to be, right? That people used to say, don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, what is, that doesn't actually work. There's no such thing. Okay. Yeah. Let's think about it together. Let's actually discuss it. We break it down. We process, we communicate and connect. And that's how actually we get rid of a lot
1: of the baggage. Got it. Okay. That's really good to know. So on that note, but I I wanted to talk a little bit about codependence because I feel like this was something that I didn't have any, it was like not even on my radar at all. I wouldn't have been able to define it. I didn't know what it was. And I've just started to understand it. And so can you just give us the lowdown, like what it is? how it shows up in our parenting and how it could like, and then how can we parent in ways that we are not fostering codependent? So
0: of course that our children are dependent on us. That is a given, right? There's many things that they depend on us for. Codependency becomes almost like an emotional sort of crutch that we are providing our children when we think that we are supposed to fix everything for them and immediately. And when we respond with reactions that have so much to do with us rather than with them, what it means is a lot of what we just talked about. Helping your child reflect on their own problems really teaches them to depend on themselves. And that's the opposite of codependency. So it's really learning to figure things out, mainly challenges, problems, uh, life problems and emotions. Now, dependency or reliance is something that we absolutely have. We need to depend on each other, but we don't need to codepend, meaning that I have a problem, you fix it for me. That's codependency. I have a problem and
1: I want to talk about it with you that's connection got it now it's it's even the way that you just described it was is different from my understanding and I'm I cuz I think like one of the things like I, I can think back to when I was a kid and I actually would describe myself as very codependent like I had a very hard time making decisions without my parents approval like it was like you needed to I needed to know that they would be happy about my decision, therefore, my decision was very much shaped on what they I what I knew that they wanted for me, which sucks.
0: Right? I can tell you it sounds, and you can tell me, so do you think you were are a pleaser? More so than not? Oh yeah. yeah, okay. So what it is that being a pleaser is your nature? It means that actually your connection to others is extremely important to you. So it's not all bad. It's right. really a wonderful thing to see how others feel and what they what they need and so on and so forth. But you're right that sometimes we can take it too far. I always have to make sure that others are happy. I like to make sure others are happy. Do I always have to? Does it mean that it it doesn't? matter how I feel. No, here is where this is a gray area I have to work on. So it's not all or none, but that's, that can happen obviously when you, when nature leads you the way and you were a kid and you don't know how much is too much.
1: And now, so on that note is, is telling our kids good job or great job, or I love that or whatever it is, because they're always looking for your, like positive reinforcement slash feedback is that fostering codependence like because my kids all the time are like mommy look at my picture (laughs) mommy look at this look at the and and they're looking for a good job and I try and turn it back on them to say do you love that picture or how did you think to draw that picture whatever it is but my son literally I have the same thing I say back to him every time I'm like that's really cool how did you think to do that and he's I just thought it (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, this isn't going anywhere. Should I just say good job and move on?
0: (laughs) You can. And you're absolutely right that you want to also bring them into it. So how does that make you feel? I think this is a great thing that you did. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it? So more, yes, these are really great ways to bring them into this. But you can also have a bigger conversation of how important it is for you That I see everything you do. Mm -hmm. see, that's reflection. Let's, Let's have a broader conversation that not necessarily has an answer, but it's exploring. It's expanding our thinking. And that's what you're teaching him to do. And so what do you think about that? Have you ever thought about it? Of course, he's, I don't know. And you're like, what if we think about it? Is it always important? Is it important sometimes? See, here is where we teach them to know when is something enough, when it's too much, when it's not necessary, rather than be reactive, impulsive, and conditioned. I always need, maybe I don't always, have I ever actually thought about it? Maybe just sometimes. And sometimes it's pretty good. Right. Yeah. It's like that.
1: It's interesting because when you put it in that perspective, I my son, for, I would say, three and a half years never ever said look at me like when we were like on the playground or whatever it was or look what I'm doing or he just he would would do what he was doing and part of that is for two years I was only looking at him because he didn't have any siblings but then his daughter came his daughter his sister came (laughs) and she is look at me look at this look at me look at this and he started doing it more because I think he heard her saying it But he is very much a little bit more independent in his, like, he's not always saying, look at me, but she is very much a look at me. And I wonder if it's because she's much more of a pleaser. That's more of her nature. So she does want me to look at her a lot more because it is very important that I'm looking (laughs) at. So I wonder if if it, if that, that annoying, because I think that look at me is like an annoying behavior that you're like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah. I only have two eyes. (laughs)
0: Right. Which is what she's actually recognizing. Oh, she only has two eyes. So she can only look at one of us at a time. And at least that's what she's thinking. That's what she's feeling. Now, to him, you're absolutely right. It was a given that you're looking at him because there's no Mm -hmm. one else. To her, it's not a given. She was born into a situation where you sometimes look at her and sometimes look at someone else. And every time you look at, let's say, your son instead of her, she feels you took it away from her because Mm -hmm. you're supposed to only look at her. That's that's being needy. And yes, it does lead to codependency and her absolute idea that unless you see her, what she's doing doesn't actually matter. Right yeah right and now you want to help her with that so you can even talk to both of them because you can say exactly what you just said so first you were born and i was only looking at you and you actually never said look at me but then your sister was born and she feels that sometimes i don't look at her now mm-hmm. you can look at her and go is that how it feels sometimes i don't look at you and she'll say yes and you're like do you think that i need to look at you all the time, kids are very absolute, So mm-hmm. it's really just all. Or otherwise, it's not actually worthy of anything. So you're like, yeah, you want that. Can I? What do you think about it? Can I actually look at you all the time? And what does it feel like if I don't look at you? Now, she doesn't really know exactly what to say, but she may actually... Pause for a second in this, and then say sad, or I don't like it. And now you see what you get to is okay. There's a subjective emotion that I can't actually fix. I can help her cope with it and through it. So right, the situation is you're right. You're absolutely right. I don't always look at you. I sometimes look at your brother. The next thing is, do I? have to, that's what you want. Is it possible? Maybe not. So what do you want to do about it? Cause I can tell you that when I don't look at you, does it mean I don't love you? Yeah, to her that's what it means. And you're like, you know that I love you even when you're not here in the same room with me or I just love you. You are in my heart. So if my eyes don't see you, do I actually forget you there? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah and and is your recommendation to have these conversations like completely not in the moment
0: yes bring it up randomly the idea is that you help them learn to process thoughts and feelings internally by bringing these kind of conversations not for the sake of fixing it like so you shouldn't feel like that and don't feel like that because I love you like Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to undo or convince her that what she's feeling is wrong I'm just basically exploring it all together out in the open first once again wow we can talk about these things it's it's pretty good right it's an amazing feeling that we're safe to talk about these things that are so like uncomfortable I think my mom doesn't love me when she's looking at my brother it's Oh yeah, we can talk about it. And then we're also training them, helping them, showing them how we can process thoughts and feelings in a safe way, in a collaborative way, but also just
1: basically to strengthen ourselves, not necessarily to take these emotions away. Got it, okay. Yeah, that's really helpful. I think especially, and I know um, not alone in that, I think like a lot of people listen We'll have the, we'll have, we'll find that super relevant. So thank you. I want to talk a little bit about boundaries because I think boundaries are probably the most important thing you can do. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess if you want to talk a little bit about when do I need them? How do I set them? How do I keep reinforcing them? Are there, and are are there like scripts for that are like I can use in my everyday life?
0: Boundaries are really parameters where you keep your child safe and it's up to you and of course up to the situation what you think is safe. And safety is not just physical. Safety is a lot of other things. Your child is screaming a target because they did not get what they want right then and there. Mm-hmm. That's also not safe, not because. Yes. And by that, it's not mentally safe. It's not emotionally safe. This is actually hurting them in the long run As much as it's hurting you right there in the moment. Mm -hmm. And because when a child feels, I can just, and I don't mean like a two-year-old, like a four-year-old throwing a tantrum, screaming. When they think like that, we have to wonder, what does that actually mean? Like that I can just walk around thinking, hey, I can do whatever. Yeah, no, that's not good. So your boundaries have so much to do with thinking about your child and what is really healthy for them. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and that's so when you don't give that second piece of candy or when you don't let them just jump in the pool on their own or go outside when it's nighttime and so on, or even not hit their brother or sister, all these things are your your ideas of how you are helping your child be the best person they can be all around. So that's where your no is coming from. And that's why you actually, a lot of times don't have to explain why. So most of the time when we say no, no more candy and because it's not healthy and so on and so forth, we can say these things. We want to give our children information, but not for the sake of convincing them why I'm saying no. And if I already gave that information, I don't actually have to continue and explain the same thing over and over again. I just have to say, yeah, uh uh-uh, no, not getting a toy right now. And I'm sorry that you're upset. Uh Uh-uh, no screaming right now. uh Uh-uh, no, not okay. And I don't have to once again say, because you're embarrassing me or you're disturbing other people. No, it's not about anything, but my goal is you. I am not letting you scream right now, much like I'm not letting you run into the street. That's it. It's that is a boundary. Mm -hmm. And I can explain. Like, I'm not letting you run into the street because the cars and so on and so forth. I don't actually have to. I'm just like, whoa, do not run in the street right here because I'm here to rescue you and save you. So I'm saving you sometimes from your own self. When you think you can just scream or eat all the candy. And I don't actually have the way or the tools to convince you because you and I are not the same. So I'm not even trying to. Got it. I'm just saying no. And the only other thing I can do is now support the emotion that the child is feeling as a result of me saying no. (laughs) I know you don't like it and I'm sorry, but yeah, sometimes it's a no like right now, and I stand behind my no rather than try and sell it to my child who's not really buying it anyway.
1: I I have, I've found that my kids can like suss out when my no is no, but I'm not like really behind this. I'm just saying no for no versus like no. And they press me, they they hear it in the tone and they will press. And so I, one of the things I work as I'm like, the things that I really like my boundaries i really i have a very firm no and then the other things i'm like i don't know like if the, is this the criteria then i'm not going to use i'm not going to use that boundary i'm going to be a little more flexible i'm going to model flexibility <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> sure that's something yeah my- you're <laughs> absolutely right and they do it's they hear not just a no but you're right something else about you they hear your seriousness or not, Mm -hmm. and they really can gauge what it is that they can push or how much. And so you have to 100% believe in your no and stand behind it. And it doesn't always have to be exactly the same. Life is not not a really set of rules that cannot be broken. So much of life is fluid. Sure. Another candy today, but does it mean every single day? Maybe not. And so we want to be somewhat flexible and fluid. But when you do say no, trust that your no is the right thing right here, right now, and you 100% stand behind it. Therefore, you're not trying to campaign this no to your children as if they're supposed to vote on it. No, guys, this is my vote. And that's actually okay. Because I truly do know better. And I think that's a lot of times where parents feel thrown off. Children are so adamant about their emotions and they're so vocal about their opinions that we may be this. Oh.
1: Yeah. They are little politicians. Absolutely. <laughs> they're so good at that. Exactly. It's yeah. Fun. I've actually found that sometimes for us, like I before the, before it even, I'll use dessert and as an example, like my, like I gave them a dessert on a Monday night and then all of a sudden Tuesday they were asking for it. And so (laughs) Wednesday and Thursday before we even started dinner, I just said, I want to be very clear, guys, like we, this is not a dessert every night household that we are not having dessert tonight. And it just didn't even come up because like I set the boundary before the question even came up. And I was like, oh, I should preempt things more often.
0: Very good. (laughs) You're absolutely right. And that's also how you teach this sort of fluidity Because they're like, but yeah, but yesterday, you're Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, Yeah. we did have dessert on Monday. Yeah, that was so great. Yeah, it doesn't mean every day. So no, today's not the dessert day. Yes, you absolutely can show them that things can be sometimes, some of the time. And that's okay, because that's how we... That's life, right? (laughs) That's life, exactly. We need some incentives, but it doesn't mean that we're rolling in these incentives all day long. And that doesn't actually teach us and help us to manage in uh, real life. So yeah, sometimes, absolutely. And oh, it was so good on Monday. Yummy, that dessert. So you can sometimes even maximize on the experience by sharing it like that. And you still are, yeah, not today.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now I have one last question that I want to squeeze in here. And it's because it's something that I think every every parent will deal with, and it's the constant interrupting. And I remember when my son was two, maybe, I don't know, probably two, and he would, my husband and I would be talking, and he would just start interrupting us, and we taught him how to say excuse me, and that was like a huge thing, so he would say excuse me, and then, you know, like I think at that point he still thought excuse me meant, okay, now it excuse me means now I can talk, it's not, right. hold on. And I would say that it has been, he's now almost five, And we have not evolved from, excuse me, I hear you, I hear you, but but like you have to wait until mommy is done with her conversation and then it's your turn to talk. And I don't know if it's because we just have, it gets so chaotic in our house. We have three kids, almost five, three, and one, and they're all making noise and they all want our attention. My husband and I also still enjoy talking and they hate it when we're talking to each other. And so then they Both try to interrupt us, they also interrupt each other and they yell at each other. No, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. (laughs) So, is there a way that we can, I guess, how do we start parents early? Those parents that have two year olds that have kids that are just interrupting, what is, and what is that evolution of that boundary and that like very important lesson that they have to learn? Like, how does that evolve? So, Going back to the beginning of what it is that we're doing, we're always
0: recognizing the emotion behind the behavior. So the behavior is the children are interrupting us. The response to that is we are giving them some kind of a solution to not interrupt us. But what we need to do more of why are they actually interrupting? Mm -hmm. And that's what we haven't looked at. So Mm -hmm. it's really, why are they interrupting and notice that they're always interrupting when you're talking to someone else, you can sit there, (laughs) right? As soon as (laughs) you can sit there and you're just fine. And no one, they're so minding their own business. As soon as you're on the phone or someone else. Yeah. So what is it about? Oh, you just took attention from us and gave it to someone else. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Yeah, that's what needs to be talked about. So guys, when daddy and I talk, does it feel like, again, truly, this is what children feel. You forgot us. (laughs) It's, oh, when daddy and I talk, no, we actually don't forget you. We know you're here. But you're right. We can't all talk at the same time. So there's got to be some order to this chaos. And so we are going to make you wait we're going to help you wait until and that is very hard because now here's another emotion the inability to get that immediate satisfaction right which is really why they are interrupting constantly they are instant and immediate now and what you want to work on is what does it feel like when you don't get what you want right now it's hard But yeah, you have to. So we're talking about regulation, self-regulation. So back to what is it in simple terms, guys? Very difficult for you when you think that I'm talking to someone else and forgot you, right? Yeah. Do I actually forget you? Here is what another thing that you want to talk to kids about. We want you to understand you and I were not exactly the same. What does it mean? Adult, if you are not talking to me, maybe you forget me, actually, because (laughs) you are a child. But me, mommy, adult, no, never. That doesn't happen because we're different. Because I'm a grown up and I'm a parent and you're a child. It's okay for you to forget. I don't. So you're right. When I talk to someone else, maybe I'm not looking at you. Maybe I'm not hearing you at the same time. I don't actually forget you. And here is what we're going to do instead of saying, excuse me, be physical with them. So as soon as you start talking to someone else, whatever it is, even mm-hmm. on the phone, your husband, anybody, your child comes, mommy, touch them right away, make eye contact, touch them on their head, hold mm-hmm. their hand, make some kind of facial and body gesture towards I know you're here. I am talking to someone else. You don't even have to say shh or wait or none of that. I'm here for you still, even if I'm talking to someone else. And if you prepare them a little bit in advance, you can say, and when I do that, your job is to actually wait. And I know waiting is hard, but you can do it. That's that muscle that they need to
1: pump. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, that was that is so helpful. I feel like you're like you you nailed it. I like have not been thinking about that emotion, but like I yeah, I just wouldn't have thought about it that way. So now that's really helpful. Thank you so much. This is I I could talk to you for 16 more hours. So I so appreciate you coming on. So thank you. Thank
0: you, and I hope I you know didn't talk too much because no. I can also
1: <laughs> no. This was amazing. So thank okay. you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much, Sarah. Why don't you tell people where they can find you?
0: So um, Dr. Sigi, parenting expert on Instagram. Now we have TikTok as well. Oh,
1: good for you. (laughs) I I know.
0: It's like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Of course, it's on Facebook. So there's Dr. Sigi. People are still using that. I don't know. And there is a website, drsigi.com, where... We actually have not just these clips and bits and pieces, but there is my whole method is there. And right now, a course for parents of toddlers with anything and everything that they're struggling with their toddlers. But you can also take that and upgrade it to use with children that are older. And hopefully in a few months, our next course is going to come out for Yeah, the three to six year old, what we say, the preschool years.
1: Oh, Um, nice. Yeah. So there's a lot of
0: information there about tantrums and exactly with explaining what does it actually mean and how to walk a child through it. There are scripts, there are real life examples. And so it can be sleep and food and this whole thing where kids say no all the time. So Mm -hmm. autonomy, independence, learning to set boundaries the right way. All of it is there on drsigi.com.
1: All right. And we'll share links in the show notes and everything. But thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. This has been a pleasure for me as well. Okay, that's all for today. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a mama friend and leave us a review. If you're pregnant, postpartum, or trying to conceive, you can download the Juna app completely free for seven days. The app is available for iOS and Android and is designed to be your guide for all things health and fitness for this very special time of your life. If you have any suggestions for episodes you would like to hear, or anyone you think would be a great guest on the show, please email me directly at sarahjuna.co. At Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.